Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Channel MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heads to Mexico City this weekend. That's right, fights at elevation. Who doesn't love them? Well, I guess, I mean, Kane Velasquez doesn't love them, but who else doesn't love fights at elevation? And I'll tell you who loves fights at elevation, and that's Sajara Eubanks, who's been spending two weeks getting ready for this fight at elevation. That's right, two weeks is quite a bit of time. She's going to talk about the choice to do that much time there. And speaking of a lot of time, we're also going to be talking to Tyson Nam, who took 13 years to make his UFC debut. He's had a 13-year pro career, and it finally pays off this weekend when he fights Sergio Pettis, a top-five flyweight. He could really catapult himself right into title talks immediately. And speaking of big fights, me and Shockwave Dave will be breaking down our four favorite fights on the Mexico City card, so you're going to want to check out all of that content. But before you get to any of that, we got to let you know that this episode is brought to you by A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films. A Story About a Fight is a short action drama film about the beauty in the violence of the sport that we love so much, MMA. The premise of the film is that a young fighter on the up and up faces an opponent being trained by his estranged father. And as an MMA fan, I for one couldn't be more pumped that we're getting a film about MMA because really how many times have we said we need more MMA movies or we need more MMA films and sure there's a couple of them out there but there always needs to be more and the best part about this film is that it's actually being done by MMA people that's right the director and cinematographer plus the lead actor are both longtime fans and students of MMA, which means we're going to get to see one of the most authentic portrayals of MMA ever to hit the screen. I'm completely pumped about it because I'm excited to see how it looks. I'm excited for it to be brought to fans of MMA. I'm excited for it to be brought to people who aren't fans of MMA and get to see that beautiful side of MMA that we always hope more people see. It's going to be absolutely awesome, and if you're as excited as I am, you can support the project by heading to Indiegogo.com. You can search for A Story About a Fight, and if you'd like the long link, I'll give it to you real quick. It's Indiegogo.com slash project slash A Story About a Fight 2, and you need dashes in between each of those last words, and if that's way too much to remember, you can check out the pinned tweet on our Twitter profile, at Top Turtle MMA, or you can check out their Twitter profile, a story, a fight. Okay, that's at a story, a fight. A story about a fight from Rumination Films brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Sajara Eubanks, who fights Betch Cohea at UFC in Mexico City on September 21st. So before we begin talking about th- that upcoming fight, which is certainly an exciting one, let's talk about the last fight. You had an absolute banger with Aspen Ladd, one fight of the night on many people's fight of the year ranking lists. What are sort of your thoughts looking back at that fight as your first performance at Bantamweight in the UFC? Man, I thought it was great, man. Me and Aspen definitely banged it out. It was certainly a dog fight. Um, and it was definitely a lot closer than, than some of those judges gave me. But um, I definitely feel like, man, that's one of them kind of fights that, that I think for the women's division sort of helped the whole whole women's game sort of step our game up. Like, you don't see too many females just banging the way me and Aspen banged it out that, that night. So, And, of course, getting that fight of the night bonus always kind of helps 
helps a little bit. So um, I'm really happy that we're we're in the running for one of the fights for the year because we definitely put both our our best out in that in that fight. I think we both knew that we were gonna be we were gonna be dogs. So um, we just went after it and coming into my first fight at 135. I felt real strong. I felt real good. Aspen's definitely really solid at 135. So um, I was I was happy to be able to be um, in good shape. Uh, I had good cardio. My power felt good. Um, so I was really happy with it. Um, it's hard to, you know, you want to win every fight. But um, all said and done, I was really happy with how it went. Well, that's certainly good, too. And I'm glad you mentioned the cardio, too, because that's that's a big question coming into this fight that you have coming up. You're fighting in Mexico City, which is, you know, notoriously high elevation. You know, I know you're down in Mexico right now, you know, a week and a half out. Is that strictly to build the cardio? Or are you going someplace, too, to make sure that you're getting that high elevation training? Yeah, yeah, specifically for the elevation training. Um, I'm in Zacatecas and with a couple of guys from alliance and a few other members um of, of some of the other camps here in mexico so we're all um getting together and training in zacatecas they've been real nice to us out here um so we're up higher than mexico city right now so um we're definitely checking that box as far as preparing for that altitude um definitely feel like when when i go down to mexico city i'm gonna be real confident in my lungs because i'm doing a couple of days out here even a little bit higher than mexico city so it's one of the reasons i came out a little early um it's my camp back home but i think it's really important for me to keep that cardio because i always want to put my best foot forward coming into the cage Absolutely. And you mentioned that camp back home. I, I know somewhat recently you moved to working with Mark Henry, uh, who's coach of Frankie Edgar, Eddie Alvarez, Zabit Magomed Sharapov, dozens more great UFC fighters. What sort of encouraged you to make that move and what's sort of been the biggest benefit of working with him? Um, man, I can't name just one benefit of working with Mark Henry. Uh, I think he's an absolute legend. He's an absolute genius. Um, I think his intelligence, just as far as how he knows how to break down film, how to prepare a game plan, and how to make each fighter that he has in his camp better, um, I think he's just the best at it. And me and him clicked uh, right away. I actually met Mark Henry when I went out for the Ultimate Fighter. I was on Team Eddie. Um, I had actually fought uh, Caitlin Chukagian a couple years ago. And so when, when he saw me pop up at the Ultimate Fighter, he's like, pick her. I know her. And, and I kind of didn't know much about him, but I know from, like, day one, he was like, listen, kid, he just he just kind of gives his all into all his fighters. He's the most hard, hardest working coach I've ever I've ever been under. Um, I love Mark Henry, man, and, and I love the squad out there in New Jersey. So, yeah, after the Ultimate Fighter, about about two two days in, I kind of was like, I don't know, where are y'all from? They were like, Jersey? I was like, all right, well, that's where I'm coming after. <laughs> as soon as we wrap, I'm following you guys to Jersey. So that's how I ended up there. So, so now you're down in Mexico, and, and like you said, you're working with some people who you know. You're, you're working with some great, hospitable people. How much contact do you have with Mark Henry about what you're doing, training, and, and what's sort of his input at this point in time? Um, you know, Mark's, Mark's great. He, he actually kind of was um, – he thought I left a little bit too early. He wanted some more time with me. So um, he he's funny. He said, did the Denver Broncos go 8-0 and at home? <laughs> I don't know. He's like, altitude isn't that big of a deal. You should have stayed home with me a little longer. Um, so he kind of teased me a little bit, but I talked to Mark every day. Um, and, you know, anytime I, I spar, I get the film, I send it back to him. We're constantly in contact about how the training going, how's my body feeling. Um, so me and Mark chat all the time while I'm out here. And um, my my other cornerman, Ryan Caffaro, is actually going to be out here next, too. So I'll, I'll have um, some of my home team with me soon. Awesome. Now, let, let's talk about the fight, because you said he is a master game planner, and, and that's probably what you like about him best. Betch Cohea, I mean, she's fought for a title. She's certainly a, a very game opponent, ranked in the Bantamweight division right now. Give us a kind of a quick overview of how you see this matchup going. I'm um, going after. Um, um, definitely see me winning this fight. I think Betch has a lot of holes that we're going to take advantage of. I just have so many tools, man. I got so many tools in my box that I can use. I'm just really excited. I'm really pumped up for this fight. I can't wait to show 
um, what we've been working on, some of the new things that I've learned. I think my striking under Mark Henry gets better every single day. Forget forget every fight. I get better striking every day under Mark Henry. So, and not just striking, just learning how to blend it all together. Striking, grappling in the takedowns, using the clinch, um, everything, just, just working together. So I'm, I, I really want to expose a lot of Betts' holes, and, and I'm just basically going to run pace on her. We're just going to make her work. Like we just gonna we just gonna drag her into deep waters early, and um and and as long as I hit that game plan and check those boxes, we'll we'll, we'll have our hand raised. All right. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Once again, this is Sajara Eubanks who fights Betchoya at UFC in Mexico City on September 21st. Sajara, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. We'd love to do it again. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Tyson Nam, who fights Sergio Pettis at UFC in Mexico City this weekend coming up. So Tyson, no surprise here that you're finally getting your chance in the UFC, but it has been 13 years, almost 30 f- pro fights. Was it ever a doubt in your mind that you would make it here? It was always a doubt, you know, like two times I've been denied my chance due to a contract dispute. So I almost kind of like written it off uh, a couple of years ago that, you know, I may never fight in the UFC, but, um, but I guess I must have stepped in some dog shit or something because I mean, I got really lucky and got a call on a early Sunday morning and, um, dreams, uh, dreams do come true. And and when you had those doubts and you were, you were wondering if it was ever going to happen to you, what sort of was your motivation to keep fighting at that time? Cause you know, you do have, you know, 30 plus or almost 30 pro fights. You know, I, I, I'm I'm always a motivated person, just whether I want to uh, uh, better myself as a human being. But ever since I was about five years old, I was um, I was into competitive athletics, whether it be basketball, baseball, judo, football. So I always had a a, a motivating factor of of this uh, competition. And I mean, mixed martial arts is competition at its finest. It's one on one, man to man, or woman to woman, hand to hand. So. Uh, even if I didn't ever fight in the UFC, I still wanted to just fight in general. That's what, you know, we, we like to do that in a way. We like to punch each other in the face. <laughs> I have heard that from a fighter or two. Now, uh, you, you know, you mentioned a couple of Sundays ago you get the call. They ask you to fight Sergio Pettis, of all people, who's a guy who's fought and beat top contenders like Joseph Benavidez. Were, were you sort of surprised that that was the name they were coming to you with? Um. Since it was a, a last-minute notice and, you know, la- last-minute notices, you only get the, the best of the best. So I wasn't surprised. And it didn't even matter who it was. I, I just I just wanted to fight in the UFC. I mean, I feel like I'm one of the best in the world. So it's uh, I, I, I've beaten the former number one UFC contender, Ali Bagutinov, in Russia. So I, I, I'm ready. I'm prepared. And we're, we're going to do our thing come, come Saturday night. Absolutely. And now, you, you know, you mentioned that you, you feel like you're one of the best in the world right now. You know, it, it's getting towards the end of your career. You know, you're 35 years old. Do you feel like your run to the title has to be quick, or do you feel like you got a lot of mileage left on the tires? I'm 35 years young, Dan. So, you know, I've, uh, I didn't wrestle when I was growing up. It was, it was always during basketball season. Basketball was the first love of my life. But, uh, you know, I've uh, I've been in the game for a while without a lot of the wear and tear that a lot of mixed martial artists have because you know their primary main base would be wrestling. So and with with that comes you know knees, shoulders, and all sorts of other uh, 
other ailments that come along with it, which I didn't while I was growing up. So my body is fairly healthy, even though I'm 30, uh, 35. I feel like uh, just a few years ago, I finally hit my man's strength. So I, I feel stronger than ever. I'm still getting better. And I still ha- and I have all this wisdom with me. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think that that's definitely a good point. Do you feel like if you had gotten to the UFC earlier in your career, you would have all of this wisdom with you and it would be as good of a run? Or do you feel as confident with, with what's the way it's gone down, exactly what's happened? Well, with the past few years, me dropping down to flyweight, I feel like I've really found my home. I, uh, I really excel at the flyweight division. At, at 135 pounds, uh, I was always a little bit undersized, you know, fight night come around. I'm, I'm, my opponent outweighs me by at least 15, 15, 20 pounds. And uh, from a wrestling standpoint or a combative standpoint, you know when your opponent is five pounds uh, less than you when you grab onto them. So I feel like now since I've dropped down to the flyweight division, I'm the one that's usually a, a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger than my opponent. And you made that debut at flyweight in 2015 which kind of was a time when the the flyweight division seemed like it was in flux. You know, like for a little while there, it seemed like they might do away with the flyweight. Did you consider that when dropping to flyweight, that that like that division might not be there when you get to the UFC? Um, you know what? In my in my career, I I just I just wanted to fight to fight. You know, it didn't matter who, it didn't matter where. Even when I fought Eduardo Dantes. You know, I was supposed to have been in the Bellator bantamweight um, tournament, but uh, but it, 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 I think Bjorn Rebney kind of cut the cut the tournament, and and I call up uh, I call up Jason House, uh, my manager, one day. I just text him anybody, anytime, anywhere, and just so happens like a couple of days later, he says Eduardo Dantes, Bellator bantamweight champion in Rio de Janeiro. I can't <laughs> go back on my word now, so you know it. it yeah, it, it didn't matter who I fought, where I fought, or, you know, if I, if I was going to fight or if the, the weight division was going to be around. Like I said, I just always wanted to just fight the fight. And, and you mentioned in there, too, I, I'm so glad you brought up that fight with Dantes because, you know, you're a guy who knocked out a reigning Bellator champion. Obviously, you never get to hold the belt at that. And I know right around that time was when the UFC was really interested in signing you. How, how close were they to signing you after that happened? They... They gave us a phone call. They gave us an opponent. They gave us a date. All I had to do was sign on the dotted line, and Bjorn Rebney, what an asshole, just came along and just like, chopped it in half. You know, I think I was supposed to have fought Uriah Faber on, like, Christmas or New Year's Eve or something of that sort. But, uh, yeah, Bjorn Rebney kind of screwed everybody over. Uh, a lot of the guys got fought under the Bellator uh, banner. Yeah, and, and so you were supposed to fight, you know, uh, Uriah Faber, you know, and all that time ago. That That's absolutely crazy. Did you have any conversations with Bellator around when that was happening? Or was it sort of, you know, lawyer speak and, and you never sort of got anything said to your face? Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, it was like playing telephone, right? They tell my lawyer, my lawyer tells me, I tell my lawyer, my lawyer tells them. I could never uh, speak, speak to them face to face, tell them how I really feel about them probably a good i good idea because i would only want to slap somebody at that point when <laughs> when when they won't let me do what i want to do mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense now let's 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 not dwell on the past too much because i want to talk about this fight with sergio pettis obviously this is a guy who's had a, a bunch of you know good runs in the ufc he went up to bantamweight for a little while back to flyweight 
you know, he's a highly skilled opponent. Do you have a prediction for how this fight will go or, or sort of how you expect the fight to play out? I only predict that I, I'm only I'm only looking to to knock people out because I feel like no matter where I fight, that's the only way that I uh, I win. Um, I never feel good when it uh, goes to the to a decision or to the judges. So I'm always uh, only looking to make it concrete, secure that you know I won that fight when my when my opponent is unconscious. All right. Well, I certainly love a prediction like that. Now, I do want to ask one more question about the UFC flyweight division because it's kind of in flux right now. Henry Cejudo being a dual champ, you know, he's calling out guys at Bantamweight, sort of holding up the division. What are sort of your thoughts as him as the flyweight champ and what the flyweight division looks like now that, you know, you're square in the middle of it? Um, Call me out, shit. You don't got to ask me twice. <laughs> give, me a, give, give me a contract, give me a pen, and uh, it, it'll be all set if that ever happens. All right, well, you heard it here, and we certainly are looking forward to his next and all of his fights. Once again, this is Tyson Nam, who fights Sergio Pettis at UFC Mexico City this weekend. Tyson, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank glad, Dan. And those interviews with Sajara Eubanks and Tyson Nam are brought to you by Rampage Coffee. Look, we sometimes need a little bit of extra boost to get off the couch and head to jiu-jitsu practice. We're both purple belts here, but that doesn't mean we don't need a little extra push to get to training. And, you know, you could stop at a convenience store and pick up an energy drink that are filled with caffeine, but also filled with tons of sugar and a whole bunch of ingredients that I can't pronounce, or... You can check out RampageCoffee.com, which has 100% organic raw coffee that is the freshest stuff that you will ever taste. And let me tell you why it's fresh. It's because when you order it, they roast it to order. That's right. They roast it to order, which means you you call them up or, or you go to their website. But you're probably going to go to their website, RampageCoffee.com. You're going to punch up the coffee you want. They'll start roasting it then. This stuff is so fresh. And if you want to check out some of it yourself, head on over there now. Use the promo code TURTLE20 and you're going to get 20% off your full coffee order. And let me suggest, if you are the type of guy who likes to go to jiu-jitsu or gal who likes to go to jiu-jitsu, need a little extra boost, try their C4 coffee. It has four times the caffeine of a normal cup of coffee. I mean, if caffeine is your thing, this is your thing. If it's not, they still have a medium and dark roast. So check them all out, rampagecoffee.com. Now, once again, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, fighting at the elevation has been hard for a lot of fighters. You know, I mentioned Cain Velasquez at the top of the show. What do you think of Sajara Eubanks' choice to be out there for two weeks, though? This is a really interesting situation, Gumby, because I probably err on the side of her coach, Mark Henry, who I think we both have the utmost respect for, one of the best coaches in the game. I would probably rather, if I'm her manager or I'm her, I want to be by that great mind up mm -hmm. until fight camp. But at the same time, I feel like she is doing the right thing because so many fighters have a tough time adjusting to that elevation. Wow, I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Yeah, it, it's sort of crazy. And I, I like what she said, too. You know, she even gave, you know, the shit that Mark Henry was giving her. You know, the Denver Broncos don't go 8-0 at home because nobody else practices at elevation, um, which I thought was a funny line. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, like, obviously she knows what's right for her body. It's a new weight class for her. She's only fought at Bantamweight once. So, I mean, I think getting a little bit extra help in the cardio world will probably help her, especially against somebody like Betch Cohea, who, like, 
you know, doesn't have the best gas tank either, that advantage might wind up being the biggest one in the fight. I guess my question becomes, and we would need to speak to a scientist or someone super smart about it, is how much benefit do you get from two weeks at elevation? Mm. I mean, I, I think, yes, you're adjusting to it, but does it really come down to, at least from some of the stuff I've heard or read, you almost have to be there for like months to really adjust? Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see that too because you could probably get it from people who have done you know, like their fight camps at, at the elevation places, you know, like the couple of camps in Albuquerque, Big Bear with Tito Ortiz. Like we have like people who've done full camps not there and full camps there. Yeah, I, I would be interested to see if two two weeks extra is enough here. Well, you know, it's funny because we all remember sea level Kane and how he fared at high elevation in Mexico against Verdum, and he's in the news this week. We have to touch on it. He looks like a phenomenal pro wrestler. Did you see some of the clips of how athletic Kane and his once bad back looks right now? Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bummed, to be honest with you, because you, you know me. You're, you're much more of the pro wrestling guy here. I'm not a huge pro wrestling guy anymore, but I'm a little bummed because, like, dude, he's he's as athletic as we always knew he was, but he's doing, like, flips and, and shit, and, like... You know, like we lost years of your career because your back wasn't good, and now I see him doing this. Man, I just I want more MMA Kane. Yeah, you know, I don't know if maybe he kind of gets this out of his system, and if he is feeling better, or this sort of gave him a break, because it's, it's two different kinds of trainings, obviously. Um, so, you know, maybe, you know, Brock was able to come back, at least for the one-off fight. I don't think he wanted to go off steroids for too long, so we didn't get any more. I could see him maybe coming back for one fight because you could be goddamn 44 years old at the heavyweight division and still be competitive. So, uh, you know, maybe he does this for a year or two and we still get that one or two last Kane fights. But I will say it, there's rumors that, you know, both WWE and New Japan, uh, the respective biggest promotions in the world, have interest in him. There's also an upstart promotion that's going to be on cable this this fall in AEW, so they might have interest in him. I mean, everyone should have interest in him. I am very surprised WWE hasn't just snatched him up yet. And I know you're not a wrestling, you know, mark, as we say in the wrestling world, but sometimes Vince McMahon has really weird, just feelings on certain people. And maybe he feels like Cain Velasquez doesn't look in shape enough. He, he's weird with that kind of like the look. But regardless of the look, athleticism wise, I mean, he looks like he's going to be the greatest pro wrestler of all time. Yeah, I mean, he does look pretty freaking damn good. So, uh, I mean, he he moves like a – it's what we said about him in MMA, too. He looks like a lightweight in a heavyweight's body. I mean, that that was right. that was what we said when he was coming up, right? He moves like a lightweight. You know, Joe Rogan probably repeated right. it 35 times. All right, well – Let's get down to some actual breakdowns here. It's our UFC fight picks. It's our UFC Mexico City breakdown. Uh, and I do wonder, before we get into the four fights that we have picked that we want to break down and really add some extra attention to, Gumby, does any fine company sponsor said breakdown? Yeah, this UFC in Mexico City breakdown is brought to you by Maroon Social. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for your phone for you to track your BJJ or any martial arts progress for that matter because they've added all those different martial arts. So if you train judo, sambo, kickboxing, boxing, Muay Thai, no matter what you train, you can 
create this app, get it on your phone, set up your profile, and then log your trainings, which will help you stay on track, make sure that you're training more and more every single month. And you can also keep notes in it, have friends, and all kinds of other things like logging competitions. You're going to want to check it out. Maroon Social, get it wherever you get your apps. I love it. Uh, Gumby, before we get into our fight picks, I do have to ask, are you ready for our fight picks? I, I am very ready for our fight picks. This is a card who I, that I think has been sort of uh, sort of sleeping. People have been sleeping on because it's got like a bunch of flyweights and a bunch of women's fights, and that tends to be fights that people sleep on. Well, one of these guys might go to sleep, and we're going to start with the main event. It's Jeremy Stevens, a minus 110. He is coming off two losses in a row, albeit to Zabit Magashaparov. And Jose Aldo, no real shame in that upper echelons of the division, obviously. Yair Rodriguez coming off a fantastic performance with the last second KO at 4 minutes and 59 seconds into the fifth round over Chan Sung Jung. Uh, before that, he lost to Frankie Edgar, really got worked by Frankie Edgar via the wrestling. So he's 1-1 one one in his last two, Stevens 0-2 in, in his last two. And Vegas doesn't really know what to make of this. They're both minus 110. What do you make of it? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm riding with Jeremy Stevens on this one. And, and part of the reason why is when you look at Yair Rodriguez's fight against Chan Sung Jung, that's a fight he's losing. And, and I know that we're building hype behind him due to that win. Uh, I mean, amongst other wins, too, and am, amongst the fact that he looks like a video game. But, but Jeremy Stevens is not the type of guy who backs down from crazy spinny stuff and from, you know, flying kicks and stuff like that. But he's also very technical in his defense while he doesn't back down. And for that reason, I think if this fight turns into a firefight, I like Jeremy Stevens' hands better. And also, you know, you mentioned that Frankie Edgar fight in there. Jeremy Stevens, not a terrible wrestler either. There's totally the chance here, especially in a five-round fight, where he could drag Yair to the ground a couple of times, sort of wear him out and clearly win some rounds. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I think my, I, I lie the same as you, where Jeremy Stevens, I think, could win this and take the three out of five rounds, especially if Yair is going to do that Yair stuff where he does a lot of spinny shit, but maybe not all of it connects, or he you know, tries to play off his back a little bit as Stevens is raining down punches from the top. That's not going to look good for judges, so I could see a round being lost that way if Stevens does like a late takedown late in a round. Uh, but, you know, the one thing with Yair is I do think he's on the upswing, whereas Stevens, we kind of know what fighter he is. I'm not sure that we've seen the full progression of Yair yet. So with every performance, I kind of wonder what Yair do we get now and how much did he learn from the Frankie Edgar loss? So that's where I kind of hold out a little hope that we don't just see a wild Yair Rodriguez, mm -hmm. but... If we do, you know, it's exactly the way you said it would play out. Yeah. We'll move down. Uh, oh, go ahead. Did you have something no, else? No, I was, I was just going to say, too, I, I don't trust that he's progressing. Because you know what I mean? <laughs> like, And this sounds terrible, but, like, you saw him in that Chan Sung Jung fight, and you were like, he should throw less crazy spinny stuff and just be technical and beat Chan Sung Jung that way. And then, and largely we were right. Like, he wasn't beating Chan Sung Jung with his crazy spinny shit. Then he used the weirdest strike we've ever seen in the history of the UFC, and he gets rewarded for it. And to me, that's just going to be like, oh, I got to do more of that bullshit. 
Right. Um, well, we will find out this Saturday. Uh, we'll move then to Carla Esparza versus Alexa Grasso. Grasso is 1-1 one one in her last two. Big win over Karolina Kowalkiewicz uh, via unanimous decision. Lost via rear naked choke to our girl, Tatiana Suarez, before that. No real shame in that. If you want to peel it back one more, she had a win over Randa Marcos. So two and one in her last three. Carla Sparza, the former uh, flyweight champion, um, is one and two in her last three. She's coming off a win off of uh, Virna Jandariba, but she uh, had a loss also to Tatiana Suarez and Claudia Gadelia, upper echelon of the division. So one and two in her last three. Uh, and I called her a flyweight, but she was actually the women's strawweight champion, so I apologize. What do you make of this fight? Uh, I think people are overestimating uh, Alexa Grasso because I know she's coming in in a betting favorite. Like you said, negative 145 here to Carla Esparza as a plus 125 underdog. I think the underdog money is here all day, every day. And the reason why is because Grasso is not particularly good at, at defending takedowns. And, and we've learned that Carla Esparza is not the absolute wrestling champ that we thought she was when, when the strawweight division first started. But, like, if you look back at her, you know, Grasso's last three fights, other than if you don't count the Kowalkiewicz fight, uh, you know, two takedowns to Tatiana Suarez before Tatiana Suarez subbed her. Four takedowns to Randa Marcos in in a split decision that, honestly, I thought Randa Marcos won. Two takedowns to Felice Herrig. So, like, she is getting taken down fairly regularly. Her takedown defense is just barely over 50%. You know, like... You got to imagine Carla Esparza can do enough here to win a decision just by getting on the inside and ripping her down a couple of times. Uh, I, you know, I, I like that she beat Kowalkovich, but who's she's on a huge downslide anyway. Uh, I think this is too much for, her, especially in the wrestling department. Well, we'll stick with the ladies and move on to Sajara Eubanks, who's a minus two fifty favorite versus Bitch Kareha, a former Ronda Rousey nemesis. A plus 210 uh, dog. Sajara Eubanks coming off a loss to Aspen Ladd, but beat Roxanne Matafari and Lauren Murphy before that. So two and one in her last three. And actually, if you want to peel back one more, she had another loss to Aspen Ladd uh, in Invicta before coming into the UFC. So she's two and two in her last four with two losses to Aspen Ladd, which is a little interesting. Betch Cohea is on a two-fight losing streak with a draw before that. So she is o. Two and one in her last three losses to Irene Aldana, Holly Holm. She drew with Marion Renault. You'd have to go back to September of 2016 when she last had a win uh, for a split decision over Jessica I, uh, losing to Pennington and Rousey before that. So Betchka Hea, for all the talk of Betchka Hea, former title challenger, headlined a pay per view that did near a million buys back in 2016. <laughs> she is one and five. Or one four and one in her last six. What what do you make of this? Uh, I, I'm all in on Sajara Eubanks here, and not just because she was uh, on the show earlier, but I think negative two fifty isn't high enough for what she should be. I think she should be an even bigger favorite here because first of all, she has the physicality advantage. She is much stronger than Betch Kohea. 
in addition, I think she's got the striking advantage over Betch Kohea. In in given both of those facts, you know, we're still not even talking about her ground game, which, for what I've seen, Betch pretty has a non-existent ground game. So I like her for multiple reasons here. You know, obviously the the uptick in in how she's looked since she went to Mark Henry. You know, that second loss to Aspen Ladd. It is a short list for fight of the year. And, and if there weren't fights like Israel Adesanya versus, you know, Calvin Gastelum on, on this year's list, you know, like we might be talking about this fight a little bit more. So it, it's definitely the best women's fight of the year. And it's against a top contender. You put her against somebody like Beth, she should run through her viciously. Well, this will be the last fight we break down. I'm very excited about this fight just because we have a debut in Asker Askarov, who comes in very hyped, uh, coming from ACB, the Eastern European promotion. He is 10-0 and 0 in his pro career, and he's going to be fighting Brandon Moreno. Uh, Brandon Moreno is coming off a win over Mikel Perez, uh, lost to Pantoja and Sergio Pettis before that, so he is 1-2 and two in his last three. Uh, Askar is again, 10 and 0. He's coming off a guillotine win, a win by twister Anaconda choke before that rear naked choke before that TKO before that. But he is on a four fight win streak, all with submissions, all well-rounded submissions, guillotine twister, Anaconda and rear naked choke. And even though he's debuting, he is the minus 160 favorite to Brandon Moreno, the plus 140 dog break this one down. Yeah, well, and, and you know, you mentioned that crazy streak of submitting four people in a row. The the craziest thing about that streak is that they're all against killers, too. ACB is a, a very impressive promotion. Jose Maria Tomei is one of the people he submitted by Anaconda Choke all the way in the fifth round of the fight. The dude was 37-5 and five when he submitted him. He's a guy who has tons of regional wins, and it's been really, really tough. Anthony Leone is another one who is really, really tough. He took him into the third round and submitted him there. That dude is a, a, a Bellator veteran. He's a WEC veteran. Um, you know, like he, he's a guy who's fought in a ton of really awesome places. You know, he fought Hennen Barrow. And, like, so this guy's fought some, like, really legit dudes. And then he runs into Askarov and gets freaking twistered, which is incredible. And, and the thing about Askarov is we can, we can talk about his submissions. But the best part of his game is that combat sambo takedown style, right? He's got got some really great sambo takedowns. His foot sweeps are absolutely amazing. I love watching his foot You know, I, Google a highlight video package of him just foot sweeping people because it's really impressive. Plus, he's got big, like, double legs if he needs them and stuff like that, too. And, and just when you put him against somebody like Moreno, Moreno's got a fun submission game, you know, and, and he'll probably try to throw some guillotines up as he's being taken down. I, I just don't think he's going to catch somebody like Askarov, and I think the only reason Moreno comes in as close as a plus four, 140 underdog is because, you know, he, he's coming from that Henry Cejudo background. We saw him on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, like, he had a little bit of hype before him. He's ranked, I think, ninth in the flyweight division or 10th in the flyweight division. I think we're about to see Askarov run through him as easy as possible. Well, I'm very excited for this debut. Uh, adds a little life to that flyweight division, too. Someone who's coming in this type of prospect. So those are our picks, and we're sticking to them. You can follow us on on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We'll be live tweeting during the show. You can thank us for some of these picks. We're usually pretty good about it. Uh, last week was a good week. Week before was a good week. Every week's a good week. We're right on the money with these things, so thank us later. Uh, Gumby, that about does it for us. Any house cleaning, any last minute words you want to get in there? 
that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in. We could not do what we do without you guys. Plus, we want to thank our sponsors, A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films, Rampage Coffee, and Maroon Social. Make sure to check out the Maroon Social app. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. And we want to remind you to check out our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We got all kinds of cool things going on over there. You can find the links to some of our sponsors, as well as we are going to have some giveaways coming up. So make sure you check that out. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week.